Today's reading comes from Acts 18 verses 1 to 17 and I'll be reading from the NIV version. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in, pro- in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptised. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to them, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanour or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd then the crowd there turned to Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul, and Gallio showed no concern whatever. We've been following Paul's adventures in the book of Acts, and we see that he doesn't have an easy time of it. Again and again he faces opposition, but he perseveres in the task that God has given him. And today, in today's reading, we get an idea of how he manages to keep going. Because today's passage is a story of encouragement. I'm not sure what you're going through at the moment and what challenges you're facing. But today we'll see how to keep going. God helped and supported Paul through his difficulties. And he can help and support us through tough times too. So before we look at the passage, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you for the example of Paul who persevered even when the going was tough. We pray that your Holy Spirit will challenge and encourage us as we hear about Paul's experiences. We ask this in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Saviour. Amen. Now, as always, I like to do a bit of background reading about the passage uh, that we're looking at. And sometimes you read a sentence in the commentaries and in the histories that completely surprises you. 
As I read about Paul going into the city of Corinth, uh, one historian had written that Paul would, of course, had seen the public railway which ran through the city. And, of course, I stopped and thought, railway? And I had all these visions of perhaps Michael Portillo with an ancient Greek copy of Bradshaw's Guide. They didn't have railways in Bible times. Or did they? Well, they did. Here was a railway running right through Corinth. It wasn't a passenger railway, uh, so Paul couldn't have you know, booked himself a cheap day return to Athens. But it was a freight railway extending for five miles. I wonder what you think it carried. I bet you can't guess. Because the answer, surprisingly, was boats and ships. You see, Corinth is located on a really narrow strip of land. A little, uh, it's between uh, the Ionian Sea and the Aegean Sea. If you want to sail from one sea to the other, you have to go all the way around the headland, and it's a very dangerous uh, piece of sea. So it would make sense to cut through this piece of land here. At first, they thought about digging a canal, but in the end, they built the world's first recorded public railway. It operated from, well, more than 600 years before Christ and was still operating by 150 AD. It's called the Diolkos. It's built of stone and it has ridges to guide the train wheels all the way. What would happen? A ship would arrive one side. Uh, they would unload the cargo to make it lighter. Uh, they'd send the cargo overland and then load the ship onto a train which was then pulled five miles right across the land where it could rejoin the sea and be reloaded with its cargo on the other side, saving lots of time uh, and, in many cases, many lives. This was the sort of go-ahead place that Corinth was, the world's first railway. And I was thinking about railways as I considered Paul's experience here, and I'm going to use railways as our theme today. After all, uh, an address like this, like a railway, uh, needs several working points to keep us, well, to keep us on track as we go through. So today we're going to look at passengers, stations, signals, track, coaches, sidings and timetables as we go through. So passengers is where we begin. The first encouragement that Paul had here was people fellow passengers on the journey of faith. See, right at the beginning of the passage, Paul was on his own. And it's never good to try and do God's work on your own. So while he waits for Silas and Timothy to join him, God provides another couple, Aquila and Priscilla, to bring him encouragement. And together they go into business. Now, Paul is a trained leather worker. He earns his keep by making tents and other leather goods. And he's able to stay with them. And every Sabbath he goes off to the synagogue to tell people about Jesus before returning to Aquila and Priscilla for another week of leather work. A team together. And we need one another, fellow passengers on the journey of faith. We need to support one another, encourage one another, seek the companionship and help of one another. Even if at the moment you're unable to physically meet with other people, you can use technology to continue friendships, uh, to make new ones, to have fellowship together. The writer to the Hebrews 
comments. Do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We do need one another. And look what happens when Silas and Timothy arrive on the scene too in verse 5. What happens? They bring financial support from other Christians, from other people who are part of this mission. We don't know their names, uh, but they've sent resources to help Paul. Now Paul is free to work full-time telling other people that Jesus is the Messiah. Now he's got the support of these four and Paul is able to continue and he carries on doing so despite strong opposition as we see in verse 6. And we need to learn to support one another. I wonder what you could do this week to help someone in our church community, something to help them keep going through a difficult time some way maybe of providing for them. Here we see these fellow passengers on the journey of faith, providing encouragement. Next we have a signal. We have a sign from God himself that Paul should continue. In verses 9 to 10, Paul has a vision from God. In response to the opposition so far and in preparation for what is to come, God speaks to Paul in a vision and says, do not be afraid. You see, fear comes from forgetting who is really in control of your life and circumstances. Maybe today you're fearful of something. Hear the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And here God says to Paul uh, once more, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. Don't stop preaching the gospel. Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would guide us when we had to defend him to others. In Mark chapter 13, he says, on account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. And Paul is assured here of God's protection, that God has work for him to do in the city. He's had the support of other Christians. Now he has the go-ahead from God to stay. Passengers, signal. And that brings us to the station because Paul decides to be stationary for a while. Until now in the book of Acts, we see him moving from place to place. He never stays still for very long. And to be fair, uh, and there's another bonus train word for you, uh, to be fair, he often has no choice, as he's often forced to leave. He's run out of town. But here it says that he stayed in Corinth, in that one place, for a year and a half. This was despite what had happened so far, and what was going to happen. He stays until he is called elsewhere. You know, sometimes we can be too quick to move on to the next project, uh, the next big thing that we think God is calling us to do. But sometimes we need to, le need to learn to stay, to persevere, to finish the task to which we have been called, be stationary for a while. I once was appointed to a temporary job for six weeks 
and I found it really challenging. And I counted down the days on my calendar until it was going to be over, how many days left. But God challenged me to stay. And stay I did uh, for another eight years. And I really enjoyed my time there. Don't move until God calls you on. Be stationary. Passengers, signal, station. Next, track. As we see that Paul is clearly on the right track here because he starts to see success in his ministry. There is fruit, real progress in sharing the gospel, in seeing people come to Christ. The leader of the synagogue, Crispus, is converted and they have to go and find someone else to lead their synagogue. Other people come to faith. There are public baptisms, people declaring to the whole city that they are joining Jesus' team. And this all confirms to Paul, it's not time to move on yet. There's more to come. He's on the right track and he's not going to be derailed. Passengers, signal, station, track. You see, Paul decides to stay on as coach. And there's plenty of coaching to do with these new Christians. They need to be taught. They need to be led on into maturity. We are called not to get converts, not to persuade people just that it's a good idea to follow Jesus, but to go further, to make disciples. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And verse 11 here reminds us what Paul was teaching and what we too need to preach. Verse 11, Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them, teaching them what? The word of God. And that's what we need to do, to make disciples and to teach them the word of God, to make sure they know the living word, which is the Bible. So things are going well here for Paul. But it's when things are going well that opposition strikes. The Jews here come together to bring Paul to trial. They bring him before the proconsul, uh, the Roman leader of that area, and they publicly accuse Paul of practicing an illegal religion. See, the Romans allowed some religions to continue while banning others. The Jews themselves were allowed religious freedom, while many other groups were actually banned. So here they accuse Paul of starting a new and therefore illegal religion. So he gets brought before Gallio, and he's the, the boss man of the area. He can legislate on this. And they bring before him and declare the charges. Paul is about to defend himself. He's about to open his mouth. Uh, he's a Roman citizen, uh, so he can claim certain privileges here. But then Gallio surprisingly dismisses the case. Passengers, signal, station, track, coach, because next we have siding. Here we see Gallio siding with Paul. He throws the case out and throws out to the Jews too. It says he drove them off. This is a physical eviction from the court. And this whole event is just a few verses, but it's vital. It's so important because it set a precedent. You see, Gallio's ruling meant that Christianity, the message being preached by Paul and the disciples, was not illegal in the eyes of the Romans. Paul and the church were free to teach about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus 
this was an important point as we see Gallio siding with Paul. Passengers, signal, station, track, coach, siding, our final railway word timetable, because we see once more that everything is happening now as part of God's timetable, as part of his plan. In a strange twist, not only does the Jewish leader Sosthenes lose his case, but he ends up being attacked by the crowd. And we're not sure whether this is the Jews who were angry that he presented their case badly and they lost and it was all his fault, or whether it's a crowd of locals who are just fed up with the Jews creating trouble like this. It doesn't say. But something happens and Sosthenes gets the beating that Paul was expecting to have. Interestingly, when Paul writes his first letter to the Corinthian church, uh, right there in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 1, there's a Sosthenes included in the opening credits of the letter. You see, maybe he later came to faith too, like his predecessor, our synagogue leaders. God has his plans for us. He has his timetable for us. And we remind ourselves today, we need not fear. Whatever it is we're facing this week, let's remember this account of Paul in Corinth be encouraged about all that God is doing and all that God can do when we work together. Amen.